Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Book two of the Shadow Magic series. Read by the author. Chapter 24 Yogi Bear Uncharacteristically, I was the first to arrive at our crack-of-dawn departure. A small dusting of snow swirled in a bitter wind that stung my cheeks. It was flippin' freezing. I wondered for a second why I wasn't snuggled up in a warm bed, but then the image of my statue-like father pushed that thought away. Neve's puka entourage mounted up. The five bears were on horseback, while the wolf and the hawk chose to travel in their animal shapes. Neve showed up with her arm locked onto Brendan's. She gave him a right proper thirty-second snog and then leapt onto her horse. I was about to make a comment, but the look on her face made me stop. She didn't need a joke. The rest of my gang showed up and mounted up. We had all said our goodbyes the night before, so the two groups saluted Queen Rhiannon and her council, then we waved to each other and went in separate directions. If I hadn't known better, I could have sworn I saw tough-as-old-boots Aunt Neve wipe a tear as she turned. Tawn introduced me to our puka bear guard. His name was Yarrow. Yarrow the bear? I said with a laugh. Mind if I call you Yogi? I then had to explain what a nickname was. Yarrow liked the concept, and he also liked the idea of being smarter than the average bear, so the name stuck, and he became Yogi Bear. The path to the Brownie Lands was on the opposite side of the mountain than the one we had come up. Taun and Yogi casually touched trees as they passed, picking up messages that were then deposited on other trees. Pukas and animal forms were in the forest as well, especially red squirrels jumping from tree to tree, reinstating the pine tree telegraph that had been neglected for so long. Normal animals were also slowly repopulating the pine lands. Rhiannon had sent out a few envoys to persuade the normal animals that the pukas were no longer bonkers. I didn't see any big creatures like boar or deer, but the little fast fellas, rabbits, foxes, squirrels, they were back. Ton said they seemed jumpier than normal, but I couldn't tell. We could have made it out of the Pinelands in one day, but Ton and Yogi decided to call an early halt. The less time sleeping under an alder tree, the better, Ton said. I remembered the last time I slept under an alder. Everything I owned, including my shoes, were stolen. I wasn't looking forward to spending time in a forest full of them. We are going to have to pay tribute to the King of the Brownies. Ton said that night around the campfire. Can't we avoid Brownie Castle and just go to the island? I said. I hate all that royal bowing and scraping stuff, and I've met the King of the Brownies. I'm not a big fan. As soon as we enter the Alderlands, Ton said, the trees will inform all of the Brownies that we are there. We cannot avoid Alder Keep. Do you have anything to give to the King for a tribute? Yeah, Mom gave me some gold mined by the leprechauns from Castle Door. I reached into my saddlebag and produced four slim pieces of gold imprinted with an oak rune. They were about the size of a candy bar. How many of these should I give him? Everyone's eyes nearly popped out of their heads. One will be more than ample, Araf said. 
Put them away, and do not let any of the alders see that gold, or you won't have any to give. Admittedly, I never had any good experience with the brownies, but it kind of bothered me how people talked about them. You know, guys, I said, I refuse to condemn an entire race just because the first ones I met robbed me blind, but it seems to me that everyone hides their wallets when they come up against brownies. What is it with those guys? Brownies believe that the fairies of Dor are pretenders to the oak throne, Ton said. Pretenders? Yes. They believe that they are descendants of Banba, and therefore should be the custodians of the gold mines of Dor. Banba. She's one of the three sisters, right? Isn't she the one that sailed away and, and brought the banshees to the land? That is the legend, Ton said. The brownies believe that while she was away, the other two sisters, Fodla and Eru, forced a brownie named Duran to take a choosing against his will. He chose the fern rune. Alder Island was created, and the brownies were banished to it. The brownies believe that the reason the Alderlands is so swampy is because Duran's heart was not committed to the choosing. The Alderlands is an island? It was, Ton answered. When the Pinelands were formed, it was joined with the rest of the land. I still don't see why they have such a reputation as thieves. Brownies do not like living by the rules of door, Ton said. What rules of door? Oh, there, there's really no such thing, Ton said quickly, as if I might take offense. But door was the first land, and it has an army, and it has all the gold. There are no official rules, but if a throne displeases Dor, then life for them could be difficult. I looked to Araf for confirmation. He shrugged and nodded yes. So Dor doesn't give the brownies any gold? Your grandfather Finn was very tolerant of the brownies. After he disappeared, Kyoti was very generous to them, and since then they have grown bolder. So let me see if I've got this right, I said. They believe they should have all of the gold, so they think it's okay to steal it whenever they feel like it. Ton and Yogi looked at each other and nodded. That would be an appropriate summation, Ton said. Even a brownie wouldn't mind being called a thief. They are taught thievery and stealth as part of their formal education. Well, I said, that certainly would have spiced up high school. I had a quick face wash in a bowl of freezing cold water and stumbled in the dark back to my tent. Brendan was already in there. Now that Neve was gone, it seemed I had a bunkmate again. Don't you have a tent of your own? I asked as I got under my sleeping roll. Well, why should I bother pitching a tent when yours is so comfy? You know, I'm like a big important prince, yeah? Are you really? Brendan said in the dark. I thought that was just a line you used to meet girls. No, it's real. I've got a castle, family sword, servants, the whole nine yards. Gosh, Brendan said. You'd think with all that stuff you wouldn't have to share a tent. Yeah, I said in resignation. Speaking of girls, that was quite a show you put on up there in the Pukalans. What show would that be? The 20-minute movie star goodbye kiss you gave my aunt. Oh, you saw that, did you? 
They saw it from the space shuttle. Do you realize, Brendan, that my aunt is probably like a thousand years old? Well, she doesn't look a thousand years old. Well, I think such a public display of emotion is unseemly for a widower, a father, and an officer of the law. I said jokingly, but Brendan took it seriously. I don't need you, Connor, to remind me that I'm a father. Why do you think I'm humping around this godforsaken death trap of a land? I'm doing it to save your father so I can get that little piece of gold out of his mouth and your mother can zap me back to my little girl. Hey, take it easy, Brendan. It was just a joke. I'm, I'm sorry. My wife's been gone for over two years, you know. I, I know. I can kiss a girl if I want to, can't I? Yes, of, of course you can. I mean, I may be a widower, but I'm not dead. Hey, it's okay. Don't beat yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> After all, he said with a chuckle, this is all a dream. Oh, please, Brendan, don't start that again. Okay, I won't. Good night, Connor. Good night, Officer Fallon. I had almost fallen to sleep when... Brendan just had to get the last word in. Sorry I blew up. But, Connor, no offense. If I was going to ask for relationship advice, I wouldn't ask you. I didn't answer him. I just silently nodded in agreement. The flaps of the tent crackled with the morning frost. Ton and Yogi weren't happy with the dusting of snow because it made it difficult to choose the right path into the Brownie Lands. Being on the right path in the Alderlands is important because if you're not on a path, you're in a swamp. After about an hour, the Pukas found what seemed to be a solid trail. The only swamps I'd ever seen in Tirnanog were the ones in Kielty's Reedlands. I was not looking forward to going into another, but... Once inside, I was relieved to see that these swamps were much healthier than the foul and unnatural ones in my uncle's patch. Still, it was spooky. Leafless alder trees draped with long catkins lined our path or lived alone on a boggy island. Even though the ground was white with light snow and the sky was cloudless, the place seemed to be darker than it should, as if Light was mysteriously being sucked from the place. Small black birds darted through the trees, but moved so fast you could never actually see one. Around the edges, the swamps were frozen, but in the dark, deeper water near the middle, unseen creatures submerged as we passed, their presence only given away by a tiny splash or an ominous plop. The pukas decided that someone should talk to a tree and let them know we were here. Since nobody has any real beef with the imps, Araf was chosen. He placed his hands on a burly alder for a few minutes and said, Thank you, and walked back to us. She pretended to be surprised, Araf said, but I got the impression that they already knew we were here. I told her we were coming to see the king, and she wished us good luck. Was that like an actual good luck, I asked, or was it like a you're-gonna-need-it good luck? As usual, I didn't get an answer from Araf. Later that day, Essa pulled back and dropped in next to me. I stifled the sarcastic comment about Turlo that came to mind. Call me a genius, but I was starting to realize that 
Maybe one of the reasons Essa was so feisty is because I wound her up all the time. I have to say, Connor, this is not my favorite place. First trip to the Brownie Lands, then? She nodded, yes. I'm not very happy about being here, and neither is my father. Your father? How does Jared know you're here? I have an Owen slate with me. You do? Why didn't you tell me? I could have used it to see how my father is. I have been keeping track of Owison's health. It is unchanged. I would have told you if it was otherwise. I relaxed a little. Mom said he was getting worse. That has not changed either, but it seems the progression is still very slow. We rode in silence until finally I broke it. So your dad's not a big brownie fan? Some of my earliest memories are of father complaining about the brownies not paying their bills. But I think this is less about the brownies and more about me being too far from home. He worries about me. Well, I don't blame him. I worry about you, too, I said. I worry about you coming up behind me and clubbing me in the head. That one got a laugh out of Essa that was loud enough to make Turlo turn around and wonder what we were talking about. I hope he thought we were laughing at him. Maybe I should get back, she said. I almost replied, Oh, we wouldn't want to keep the turdlo waiting, but as she pulled ahead, what I actually said was, Give your father my best. I mean, who says I have to be immature? The cold air and the rhythm of acorn beneath should have lulled me into that hypnotic state that makes traveling hours on horseback bearable, but I kept being disturbed by my companions flitting around me. Finally, I broke my personal reverie, slid between Ton and Yogi, and asked what was going on. We're being tracked, Ton said. Can you not sense it? Of course, I lied. I was just asking you for confirmation. I had a look around. I neither saw or felt anything. Brownies? I asked. That would be a safe assumption. Have you spotted him yet? No. Brownies are very good at not being seen. Well, why don't you, like, turn into a hawk and see if you can spot them from the air? An almost growling sound came from Yogi. The look on his face made me think he was about to hit me. Ton didn't look angry, but I knew instantly that I had made a major social faux pas. He kept his eyes down as if embarrassed and said, That would not work. Even though I wasn't sure what for, I apologized and slunk back to a raft. I told him what I had just said and asked him what mistake I had made. He didn't know, but added how impressed he was that I could make blunders where no one had ever made blunders before. You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening.
Shadow Magic, book one of this series is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.